Well, this is Marsha Epstein getting to say hello to our listeners. This is Talk With Me on LawrenceHits.com in Lawrence, Kansas is where we are when we're recording this, actually sitting around the table with a cup of coffee and a cup of tea and a guest and a dog at my feet and blue sky outside. <laughs> it's a good life. It's a good life. It's a complicated life in the United States these days as well, though, but don't forget the goodness. Don't forget the goodness. Don't forget to laugh. I'm the one who says, without laughter, we explode, and that's just not pretty. <laughs> anyway, I want to just jump right into conversation with my guest today so that you all get to have as much as you can of conversation and poetry and good stuff to start or end at whatever point of the day you're listening to this, who knows? Um, I love that we're available on iTunes and Google Play and on the LawrenceHits.com website for those podcasts from 2017. And just throw out that reminder that there are lots of wonderful shows, including with this guest from other times, shows from before January 1st, 2017, are still at mixcloud.com backslash Lawrence Hits. And there are wonderful shows, wonderful poets. One of the privileges that I've had is this expanding network of artists expanding in my world, that is, my connections with them, the web of connectedness, so that there are people who are who are writers and others who are all across the country. And then we duck north into the Canada, Alberta area, Edmonton, Alberta area to catch up with Wolfgang Karstens, who will be coming with us again soon. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, lots of great people, lots of great shows, podcasts, and then the daily broadcast from 5 to 6 on weekdays on com. So now you know how to listen to all the shows. Let's get to the show. And I want to welcome you today, Huascar Medina. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I, I love getting any time you, with you. I think about meeting you on this windy high part of the inn when we were doing the Words Save Lives and it was cold and blustery and then we went inside and it was a wonderful evening. And, you know, we've crossed paths at various events since then, all kinds of good poetry, good people. So thanks for coming over to do a show. I appreciate it. <laughs> Look forward to speaking with you. All right. I always ask my guest to say just a little bit of background for our listeners. Yes. Um, I'm 34. Uh, I write. Uh, I do art. I enjoy reading about writing. Um, I do theater in Topeka. Uh, enjoy singing. Do some musicals. Um, try to live artfully. Um, try to be kind. Try to be sincere. Um, have a close network of friends. Uh, mostly artists. Just kind of life I like uh, to live. Creative. Uh, as opposed to you know things can be a bit destructive with people sometimes. So I try to be part of the beautiful side of life. Uh huh. And and when I'm with you, I'm reminded of of uh, Emery Dirks, our poet friend in Salina, yes. who would say, "And he smells so good too." <laughs> this is an ongoing thing. Yes. <laughs> I think. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. I think we all wear cologne. I, I think it's I think since we're born. I think they have or something. Yeah. You're, you're, you've been doing, in the past couple of years, you've been doing acting, singing, as well as writing, so lots of different kinds of performance. Yes, yeah. yes. I, 
it's it's a release for me, but it's also a way to uh, stay honed in on who I am, stay centered. Uh huh. It's my place of of, of safety. Interesting. So. The performing is your place of safety. It is, and I'm I'm quite shy, which is very difficult, um, especially my first couple uh, times on stage, even just auditioning. Um, I had to detach myself from myself, and I, I found that to be quite uh, relieving um, to explore an idea or a moment or a, an emotion um, and not be profoundly touched by it as yourself. I mean, you can, but if you put yourself in the role of the actor, it's, it's safer. Mm-hmm. So there's this, this buffer mm-hmm. between what's occurring and it not being real, but you can still um, entertain different ideas and situations. Mm-hmm. Do you anticipate doing more acting in the future? I hope so. Uh-huh. Uh, it's always up to, uh, to the directors. Um, uh-huh. But I, I want to. Um, I'm taking uh, some time to just focus on the writing aspect of it. Um, working on a play right now, I think uh-huh. it's time to uh, take what I've uh, absorbed from the stage and um, put it to practice on the page. Uh-huh. Writing at the end of the day is my focus, and that's uh-huh. what I want to do. In the long run, you know, with my life, whether it's successful or not, it'll bring me happiness. And that is a form of success. Uh-huh. I will do it. Have you been writing for a long time? Did you start young? Oh, very young. I mean, it's uh, it's one of the few things that I've always done consistently. And, you know, some people grow up being runners or boxers or, uh, or you know, painters or musicians within their family. Um, Writing is one of those things that you can find on, on your own, that you can explore and, and find a voice um, without much guidance at a young age. Because, you know, in the beginning, it's more a form of uh, confession. And um, as you progress, I, I believe you can start having um, ideas that you feel you want to share with others. Interesting. Was your writing poetry early on or what what kinds of writing it was poetry and uh i kept the journal for a very long time growing up um growing up i uh, lived in a few different homes um not always with my family so a lot of uh, time that i needed to to express feelings or emotions um i never felt comfortable always uh, always a visitor at the house so um, the page became uh, a bit of a safety blanket Mm-hmm. So. It's interesting to me because I, I look at my own life and I think it it didn't occur to me to write. And in fact, when I think about things that happened as I was growing up and my mom and dad divorced when I was young and there were other partners and not easy things that happened and different kinds of, uh, always living with my mom, but, but really different um, circumstances with economics and others um, born in Southern California and then lived in a very small town in the Texas panhandle for a lot of growing up. It's different. A very, very, uh, yeah, sparsely populated, different, just a whole different world. Anyway, so, so I think, you know, in some ways, for whatever reasons, what I learned was to not communicate about that stuff. <laughs> So writing would have never occurred to me, and I didn't really talk about it either. 
So it's, it's intriguing to me that some people knew that getting those words out is a good thing. It took me a long time to get there. <laughs> did, did you not uh, share um, with others? Cause um, maybe it might've felt um, like you weren't being grateful with where you're at in your situation or. Honestly, critical? I think, I think looking back, cause I don't, I don't remember how I made the choices, but I think looking back that I didn't really want to talk about what was real life, you know, that I didn't, I didn't want that to be different from other people maybe. Cause I, cause I, it was like when I came to college, I was 17 and then suddenly like people are talking about, you know, my second grade teacher, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't even remember that stuff. Not and then, you know, the more, the more there was, it's like, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, my, our upbringing was different than a lot of people's and, and it's kind of a bummer to talk about. So maybe that's why I didn't, I don't know. <laughs> Although I say that and my mom was the most loving, wonderful person in the whole world. She just made some bad choices and you know, we all had to live in them. <laughs> this is true. Um, I mean, I, I love everyone that's raised me. I feel like I've had a, a wealth of, of, of love and unconditional love uh-huh. from a large group of people and have learned to take the good from all of them uh-huh. and, and learn from their bads as well. Uh-huh. So um, I think it's uh, made me a, a well-rounded individual, open to different ideas and uh-huh. um, different feelings that people might have about the same situation. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good thing to connect with people deeply, too, that that commitment to family. And I think I, I grew up with that. Like family is super important. And to me, family also includes this very special friends that we accumulate along the way. Yeah, that's connectedness is really important, really valuable. So you wrote, I didn't, and you wrote a lot and you write beautiful stuff. And, and I've, I've been at, at times when you've read and where, where your poem unfolds in a way that gives a surprise, sometimes a delightful surprise that it's like, Oh, that's what he's talking about because I couldn't tell, and I and I love that 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 I feel drawn into your words when you're there at the mic, and and um, we will be saying, and there's this book of all poetry by a poetry only by Huascar. That's what I meant to say. Not all your poetry. <laughs> yes, be quite a quite a lot. I'm not sure. If- not sure if it all would be good either. So, because uh, <laughs> I know you've been in, you've been including in collections as well. So that's why I was trying to make that distinction. So, so since I've awkwardly introduced this idea of this book, tell us about your new book. <laughs> oh yes, um, Spartan Press is um, has a series called the Pop Poetry Series, and I, I believe on book twenty seven or, or twenty. I mean, they've been doing this for a while. I mean, uh-huh. a book a month—that's yeah. impressive. Yeah, the type of work that goes into that. Um, and it'll be released in February on the 25th uh, at Prospero's Book in Kansas City. Um, reading starts at uh, 7. It'll be an open mic sec- section. And then um, we'll go into some poetry. I really hope a lot of people show up and just just read. Read read some some meaningful work or, or non-meaningful work. Just, <laughs> just, 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 just read. Just show up there and, and share. Share your poetry. Because I'm always uh, trying to, um, to push that. To, yeah share your art with others because yeah. that is that connectedness. I think that's what art does for us. Yeah. It connects us. Yeah. So, it's so important. I mean, it's so important. It happens. It is the, uh, the book I felt was necessary to, 
to do at this point because I, I wanted to be involved with the process of of publishing to to understand what it's like to have your work published because I've been on the other side on a on a collegiate level to you know as an editor in chief of um, NSK Literary Magazine years ago um, of reading people's work and deciding what is you know relevant to what we're trying to put out and I wanted to see the other side and uh-huh. this gave me an opportunity and um, it gave me an opportunity to be involved with the process um, really intimately um, so I have a, a better understanding and and I can be a bit of a, a control freak sometimes um, but um, they kept me on a, a good path, a, a good time frame, and um, held me accountable. So I, I really appreciated that from the publishing company. <laughs> you get a, a sense of this is going to happen and it's going to happen soon. And you have this work to do and you get to do this photo right for the front. Yes. It's a yes. cool process. It's a, it's a, and a huge shout out, like you know, you're saying, to, to Spartan Press for this pop poetry series that Jeanette Powers, I think, was one of the ones who got this going. And Jason Reberg is always there doing wonderful stuff of his own and for other people. But the idea of a book a month is a huge thing, a release a month, different voices from different communities that around the Topeka, Kansas City, Lawrence, et cetera, area. It's really cool that this is going on. Very eclectic. And uh, a lot of voices are heard that normally wouldn't be heard. Uh, you get to uh, experience their work. Um, on a larger scale, because sometimes, you know, if you're part of a collection, uh, they'll get to hear one or two pieces of your work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe a collection of work um, can give you a better look at a person. It's not, you know, just a glimpse or a glance. Yeah. You know, you get to sit down with that piece of work and uh, have a conversation with it, you know, if you yeah. will. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to people sitting down and, and talking with my words. Yeah. And the name of your book? Uh, How to Hang the Moon. So um, I chose that title because um, uh, it, it alludes to um, um, putting something above all else, um, giving it a sense of reverence, uh-huh. um, being uh, almost obsessive with it. Um, and I wanted to, to give that energy off within the book. I wanted people to understand that I was writing from a place of deep imagery um, and that those images had a, a lot of uh, emotional weight to them. Uh-huh. So. Well, I'm still stuck in family mode when I think about phrases about the moon, I think. And there's this lovely Eric Carl book for little kids called Papa, Please Get Me the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> so did you write all of these poems fairly recently, specifically for this collection? No. Um, I had a couple pieces that I have not been able to um, release. Um, I get rid of a lot of work. Um, I, I write on a, a regular, regular basis. Mm-hmm. And certain pieces that I look over again and again and, and can't part with are the pieces that I keep to myself that I think should be mm-hmm. published. Other pieces are um, good for sharing, you know, amongst friends or, you know, at readings. But I think certain poems uh, deserve to be on the page. Yes. I, I think there's there's a home for them there, and if you've put in the work, um, it'll, it'll it'll fit within you know those, those constraints of, of published work, and um, these poems kind of uh, some of them had the test of time in them, and it's it's interesting because some of it's really early work that I've chipped away at for a very long time to, to almost to the point where I uh, disliked it. I spent so much time with it, but I couldn't walk away from it, which means that I probably probably loved that piece. Uh-huh. You know, kind of like a person. 
Uh-huh. So um, they, they had to be put in there. And then there were uh, about four new pieces, four pieces. I've, I've been uh, really focused on the idea of, of, of the moon and what it represents uh, for a while now. Um, it's interesting because I think part of it was, um, I mean, we had that huge uh, moon uh, about a month and a half ago. Um, and we had the red moon um, shortly before that this past year. So there's all these um, these images in the sky, the moon that were different, but it was still the same moon. Mm-hmm. And um, I was trying to uh, personify what what that moon was trying to say or or what it meant to me. So I was trying to capture those moments and, and turn it into uh, uh, something a, a bit more tangible that you can hold on to and, and think about when you look at the moon next time. Oh. So would you be willing to share one of the poems? Yes, I do have some moon poems. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. As I say that, here's what I'm saying to our listeners. Listen to Huascar Reed, both on air and if you can at Prospero's, and buy the book because it's this wonderful thing when you have the, the words on the page, when you have that in print, and you have also heard the poet read in their own voice. This poem is called Celine. She covers herself in stars with the comfort of night, laying down the void of all colors brushed in light. She can rest here, away from day and expectation, naked, unafraid, natural, and powerful, exposing herself at will, only as she sees fit, elegant and patient as La Luna. I also wrote um, a couple from, because for a lot of, People, I believe the the moon is is, is feminine. Selene being a moon goddess, um, and the counterpart being uh, Helios. Um, so I wrote a one from um, the side of, of of Helios, and it's called the, the Diary of Helios. I prefer those with moonlight, effortlessly glowing, softly beaming, full of afterlight, sharing the luster of lost loves. Those who know touch and speak body, burnished by arousing fire, reflecting the warmth of something greater in the distance. You're brighter than you've been told, more beautiful than all the stars combined, graceful in all your phases, the only thing worth gazing upon. You deserve the sky and oceans as your vanity. You are still ethereal, a heavenly body once worshipped, pure radiance removed from celestial being before time, before day, before night, before the birth of stars, there was us, Celine. We were closer then, almost inseparable, try to remember. They're beautiful. Thank you. It's it's, it's different, um, because for a while, I was just doing spoken word, like really heavily, um, and I enjoyed the performance of it, but I think I got some of the performance out of it because I, you know, uh, channeled it towards towards the acting, um, so I could just really put more emphasis on the words and choosing the right words rather than expressing the word correctly. Uh huh. If you choose the right word, um, no matter who reads it, it should be sh- should be understood to a certain degree. 
Um, some people are a bit more subjective about um, poetry and what something means. But if if you write a piece, I've and if you write it well, there should be something concrete about it in, in your word choice and, and in your form and and um, you know the tense that you write in and the tone and the voice you choose mm-hmm. um, should be apparent to the reader if you've written it uh, decently. <laughs> so, Not to criticize anybody yeah. else, but <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm no, that's, no. I'm only hard on my work. Um, uh, but as you say, as what at least what I've understood you just to say about the meaning should be clear. It's also it it is also subjective because everything we experience is from our own sets of experiences up to that moment. You know, and even you know when you talked about having some poems in that work in that collection that were started a long time ago now is different than whatever was going on when you first wrote that poem in whatever version it was. And so there's also that change over time of meaning. There's, and for me, I, you know, I get stuck on having heard people read their own work. Sometimes when they're reading it, the emphases go in different places than when I'm reading it on the page and there's different meanings. So, so, it's not only one whole set of meaning about it, but I think, at least if I'm understanding you, there's this thread of meaning that people should get with whatever embellishments are are true to them. Is that I, I would have to agree. Accurate? Yeah, I would have to agree that um, that certain images represent certain things, <laughs> and if we, if we know this, then we can use it to our advantage, or we can use it as a turn mm-hmm. and give it a different, you know, understanding to the reader. Um, we have to be clear about that. Um, I, I think sometimes uh, work gets too abstract um, to the point where you can detach the reader from the work and you won't reach in a catharsis in the end or, or, or that, you know, as we were talking about, that idea in the end that, oh, this is what the poem's about, the, the prestige, you know, that, that comes with, with, with a performance or something like that. Um, if you do not have an understanding of, of, of where those words originate, and if a reader is really looking for meaning within those words, um, you'll do a, a big disservice to to use the word incorrectly. Um, and even if it sounds right, like the right word in the right place because of rhythm um, or, or sound, um, if it's the wrong word, it's it's still the wrong word. It might sound pretty, but it you might your message might be lost or it might be confusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I um, I look at a lot of work for other uh, poets, and I, I mean, I I, I look up words, uh, try to figure out if it's you know the the, the correct you know usage, is the tense correct, uh, mm-hmm. line break, um, overall image, uh, direction of the piece is is the image you know being magnified or is it, you know or is it um, dissipating? Um, there's there's something linear for me in a work um, mm-hmm. that I appreciate. Um, but sometimes it's jostled together. It's uh, you know it's, it's um, alphabet soup sometimes, and uh, I'll, I'll ask questions. I'll never um, give direct advice uh, onto uh, not necessarily what the what the meaning of the piece was, but what what were you hinting at? Mm-hmm. You know what what were you trying to uh, to allude to? And I'm always concerned with that um, that my 
the hints that I make are not being uh, understood or strong enough or or too strong. It's, you know, it's like the, the, the hammer on the anvil or the butterfly, like which approach are you going to take, you know, with this particular line or does it fit the overall uh, weight of the work? Because um, some, some poems can be whimsical and, and, and lighter and other ones are, are, are heavy. Yeah. And, and to me, I guess because I hear a lot of, of different poets um, doing the show and, and elsewhere and, and, exp- and then kind of take that back to sort of to some things that I just believe. I think that <clears throat> the people certainly don't all process information in the same way. Correct. And so with that in mind, I have some, some people who I consider friends and I believe are very good writers, but whose work doesn't appeal to me um, because it's, it's combined in a way that I might generalize as reflects a more abstract analytical way of thinking than what is my way. So I'm not drawn into it in the same way that, that I might find an incredible beauty and delight in, you know, I think about different people, including some who'll be at the, at the throwdown, whose work is very brief and to me, very eloquent. And, you know, so, so it's, it's interesting and I and I want to I guess I want to throw that out because I appreciate what you're saying and I can I can think about my own experiences hearing you read and like yeah I mean I, I've experienced that those hints and then and then the the announcement at the end kind of the realization um, I think it's important for all of us to know that poetry can put so much meaning into lesser fewer numbers of words but it's not again, only one meaning. And poetry can be wonderful, and there may be some of it that doesn't really appeal, and that's okay. I say that I that there's a part of me that loves really brief poetry and, and lots packed into it in short amounts of lines and words. And I also have a book on my, on my shelf that's, I think, a 75-page poem by Edward Hirsch about his son Gabriel, who died of an accidental drug overdose. And it's a beautiful, beautiful poem. And it's to me very accessible. And so I guess what what I'm reacting to is, I think I got a terrible introduction to poetry in all of my formal schooling. You know, the the early stuff and the college stuff. And I didn't think poetry was ever anything that was gonna have meaning to me. And then it did. (laughs) And uh, Poetry is not just one particular form. I mean, you know, painting has different forms. You know, there's yeah. abstract expressionism, there's realism, um, there's photorealism, there's hyperrealism. I mean, we could we can go on, you know, with, with a list of different uh, forms of, of painting. And I believe poetry is the same way. There's yeah. different ways to paint a picture. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and some people prefer certain forms and others yeah. you know, like the, uh, the more uh, expressionistic work. Yeah. You know? And so to our listeners, we say, experience different kinds. See what you like. <laughs> Challenge yourself to, to pay attention to some stuff that you didn't think you'd like. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. But there's no loss. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. treat, treat a collection of work as a, as a gallery. Yeah. It's so, so cool to me that you said that because that's, that's also, I get back to personal, that's also the way I see family, you know, when, when 
when when our mother I have three brothers and when our mother died in 2003 and my three brothers and I were sitting on the floor telling stories and laughing and crying and I was trying to explain to somebody afterwards about what the experience was like as we were telling stories I said it's like an art gallery we're all in this art gallery but we're in different rooms and if you didn't know you might not understand that that we're talking about the same family <laughs> because we have different experiences for different reasons and different ways that we made meaning. But, uh, and it is very much to me like like that uh, art gallery with those different different types of art to view. <laughs> art is cool. I've I've ex I'm get really excited about art, and I will say about art in these times because the communication and connection that can happen is so important. There's, there's one of the things we need most of all is connection, you know, especially in times that to me seem very divisive as I would say is. Um, an experience of that recently was um, we had a reading in, in, in Topeka, this uh, speakeasy poetry group. Uh -huh. um, and we've moved to Noto uh, Burrito and, and uh, Noto Art District. And, and for people who don't know, because the first time I saw that N-O-T-O, no to what? Why are you saying no to pride? Because that's how I saw it. So what's no to? Uh, North Topeka. <laughs> okay. And uh, our readings were at a, at a bar called Skivvy's before, but they closed down. And then uh, we opened up at, at the burrito place. Uh, and it allowed uh, teenagers to come. And our past reading this past month, um, kind of really showed why it was necessary to give these these children, these high schoolers, an opportunity to voice their, you know, their their fears, their their, their claims to identity um, that they normally feel that they can't. I mean, uh, they're too young to vote. What you know, what uh -huh. what type of change can they have? Sometimes they just want to vent, and they need a safe space to do that. Yeah. Uh, we had a large group of uh, Highland Park students, so part of their poetry group there, come and read, and it was. Um, it was necessary for them to be there. The energy in the room, the vibrance, the work that they shared was very deeply, um, deeply moving. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was a release of sorts for some of them, something they had to do. Mm -hmm. um, they needed to know that other people understood um, where they were coming from, yes. what they were experiencing, yes. that they're not alone, and that yes. this is a safe place to come yes. and communicate. Yes. And um, so I was I was happy for the move at that point. I was like, this is this needed to happen. This is just the right time. Uh -huh. um, so. I uh, hope they come back. I hope we get more youngsters involved. I mean, we had, you know, established poets been writing 30 years there. We've had, you know, professors reading there. And, yeah. and then we have these students come in, you know, yeah. the same energy, same love for, for the craft, yes. you know, at a different stage. And yes. uh, it, was, it, felt, it felt wonderful. Yeah. It's almost like a whole new generation, even though there were already Washburn student poets who were involved with Speakeasy. You know, and I remember talking to one of those people talking about having the opportunity of the experience with the older poets. And now some of those college student age poets can see themselves also as older poets and, and helping nurture younger voices, which is very cool. So huge shout out. I mean, Speakeasy has been happening for a long time. Yes. It's first Wednesdays now. People find it on Facebook if you're in you know, the area close enough to get to there in Topeka and you have the opportunity to share your own words to listen to other people. 
that same that same most recent speakeasy that you're talking about was a lovely welcome to Jessica Elise um, with wonderful wonderful poetry by everybody and all the love and just boldly talking about her life with health that's going on now that's huge huge challenges and and just that that love that develops within the poetic community is a whole other thing so you know hooray to Sue Edgerton and Annette Billings and everybody who keeps speakeasy going that's a wonderful gift to the community for for poets I believe um holding on to someone else's words is equivalent to holding on to their hands when they're in need ah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Hey, we're going to take a little break right now, um, and we're going to hear from a few of the Lawrence, Kansas businesses. That's monsterlawrence.com. And I get to say a big thank you to Daniel Smith. He produces this show, so everybody can hear it. Thank you, Daniel. And we'll be right back with more Talk With Me and Huascar Medina. Welcome back to Talk With Me. I'm just feeling the love in the room. I hope people are feeling it through the airwaves, internets whatever we call it that you're using to listen to us, but that that connection that happens with, with poetry, with the audience, and often in the, the audience of an open mic are a lot of people who've been writing and not sharing who get that encouragement to take that few steps up to the mic and be embraced with the, that attention and love and that connection. It's, it's so, so good. Because like you're saying early on, it's, there's an important part about being able to write and there's an important part about being able to perform. The performance part becomes such a gift to everybody in the room. Writing and putting it on the page becomes a gift to everybody. And that's that's a great thing. So I want to remind people again, there is this opportunity on the 25th of February at Prospero's Books in Kansas City, Missouri to experience the release of the book how to Hang the Moon by Oscar Medina. Be able to hear Oscar read, but also there's a chance for some open mic time. So you'll hear a variety of poets. It'll be a great time. You can buy the book. You can get the book signed, I'm sure. Yes. And that's a whole lovely treat too. I have a whole bookshelf, piles of books. It's become bigger than the shelf of, of poetry that's signed by the writers. I love that. And, and mostly writers who I've heard read their words. So that's really, really cool. So I also want to mention that you'll be at the Kansas City Poetry Throwdown, also at Prospero's Books, yes. um, during Poetry Month, which is April, April 21st through 23rd. All kinds of cool stuff going on there. And it's a great opportunity, again, to hear people in person, to, to buy books, to you know, and I know that you'll experience poets connecting with each other because a lot of those people will have never been in a room together. That's exciting. It's wonderful. They're they're coming from all over the country. Yeah. I mean, they're they're flying in for this event. Yeah. Every year it gets bigger and yeah. bigger, and yeah. and the names that'll be there. Um, I'm I, I want to talk with these people. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. just pick their brain a little bit, yeah. ask them how the, the craft is treating them. Yeah. There are people like Bill Gaynor and jo George Wallace who've been writing since the 60s, well-known nationally, internationally. And they're these wonderful, wonderful people, very accessible. I mean, I've had the opportunity in the past couple of years to, amongst other poets, to, to also talk with George Wallace and with Bill Gaynor, and it's delightful. So I really hope people take advantage of that. And another part of the, the throwdown this year is 
the publishing thing. You mentioned how you've been on kind of both sides before doing this most recent book. You'd also been involved with the publication of journals. And so now at this year's throwdown, there's going to be a publishing publishers kind of a talk workshop. There's already a Facebook event about it. It'll be at the writer's place. So people can look at Facebook for the Kansas City Poetry Throwdown. There's kind of a community page and there's an event page. And through those, you will also find the, the publishers who are publishers who are also poets. And so it's it's cool to have people being able to understand both sides and wanting to share that, you know, wanting to people to understand more about that stuff you need to know whether you want to publish or be published or both. Cool stuff going on. And that gets a huge shout out to Jason Reberg again and Jameson Bales, who do them so much to have that event happen with people coming in from a lot of the legwork. Yeah. Yes. Which is which is an interesting challenge when you talk about getting artists together <laughs> in the same space. On a schedule? What? <laughs> On a schedule? No, 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 no. Yeah. Gotta do that, folks. <laughs> and again, I say buy the books. These poets are coming in, they're not being paid to come in. You know, they are coming in for the love of the word and the love of people who are writing and want to experience this. So um, buy the books, buy somebody a meal, buy somebody beer, whatever. (laughs) Be generous. (laughs) So more about you and writing, writing poetry, writing a play right now, you said, which is just. It isn't my first time, but it's the Uh first one that I actually think will be okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very difficult uh, I'm very hard on myself excuse me um, uh-huh. but it's difficult to write from a, a place of constant self-criticism um, but I think it, it, it kind of uh, the work becomes more and more polished if I, if I approach it that way it just takes longer to write um, just a, a bit more patient mm-hmm. um, I've, I've reached out to people um, in, in the theater community to to kind of workshop the work uh, to take a look at it um, um, Tell me its flaws, uh, strengths, um, where it's lacking. I mean, it might even mm-hmm. form might be an issue with it the way I've, I've uh, sent it out. So, uh, which I want to avoid because that could be uh, embarrassing at this point. <laughs> um, but do yeah. you see your want yourself producing that play? Um, I, I just want the experience of of writing it from start to finish, and now I'll, I'll, I'll let it go. If someone okay. wants to do something with it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, if if not, I've I'm all about the process. I really am. Um, the, the end result, if you are focused on the process, will be what it is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always focused on the process um, of writing, uh, it, whether it be a, a short story, um, something autobiographical. There's there's a way that you should approach the work um, with a, a certain um, intensity, and you should really focus on why and how you're doing it and ask yourself that consistently as you write the work. Mm-hmm. And I, I do that almost to a detriment to where I don't produce enough work with as much writing as I do, but I do believe that the amount of work that I'm producing is becoming slowly and gradually quality work. Yeah. And I can say that with, with confidence now. That's great. That's great. And if I remember correctly, did, you were involved with the show with a painter, is that right? With your words, maybe even yes. The, the show was uh, it did not occur, and oh. I, I wrote uh, I wrote 
six, seven, uh, six pieces um, in, in, in tandem with some poetry. There was an earlier show um, in Noto, uh, Tugel's art studio, uh, Alexander Lancaster. Um, he put together a show where poets were combined with uh, artists and the work was shown simultaneously. And it was a good show. And, and me and the individual that I, I worked with on that particular exhibit um, did a couple pieces together. And, and they're good. At some point, I will uh, either through um, publishing try to see if I can get those works on a page with my words and put that together, even as a chapbook, because I feel like it was good work that we both did. Mm-hmm. And um, we did have a, a bit of a um, connection um, artistically. Uh-huh. So I kind of don't want to let that one go off to the side just because of uh, logistics. Mm-hmm. You know? So in the future, there may be um, paintings and poems together. I would yeah. love that. Yeah. Do you create visual art? I do. Uh-huh. I do. Uh, not as much as I, I, I want to. It takes me a long time when I work on something. I think it's a, it's a, a lack of practice. Um, um, technique is there. Um, it just takes me longer. I guess it's, if, if you spend enough time with it, you'll get quicker at it. Uh-huh. Um, but I take my time. Um, most of it is uh, I do charcoal work. Um, I try to get photorealistic quality out of my charcoal, which is very difficult. Uh-huh. Um, it takes a great deal of time, um, for me at least. Um, I do some watercolor. Um, did some some street art in Topeka. We, we had, we had a, a graffiti mural project this past year. Um, was that with Dave Lowenstein or a different one? No, this was just one. This okay. was with uh, Alexander Lancaster again. Okay. And uh, we um, went to a building off of Bu- 6 and Buchanan, I believe, in Topeka. Uh, where the building's located, uh, to Panchat, who gave us their walls. Um, and it's right on the corner. I mean, it's very visible uh, to put up uh, graffiti to have um, kids come and, and, and you know, spray um, without having to worry uh-huh. about, you know, the cops. Uh-huh. Uh, so a large group of us went out there and did some work. And shortly after, you know, it kind of Kids were sneaking in. They weren't sure if they could or not. Uh-huh. They put their little pictures here and there, uh-huh. and, and they respected the work that was already put there. That took you know more time, but uh-huh. you know there, there's some really good young artists who need an outlet, and, yes. and you know whether it be because you know they you know paint is cheap, spray paint is cheap. You know, uh-huh. and some people want to see their their work big. Um, that's how they envision it. There's nowhere to do that without. Uh-huh you know, talking to the owner of a business. And uh-huh. it's really hard for those kids to be taken seriously. Uh-huh. Some of them are incredibly talented. So um, I don't know, maybe in the future, you know, have a, have a discussion about getting them together again and, and approaching them on, on how to actually, you know, get permission to do a mural, yeah. you know, for building, you know, what that takes. Yeah. Um, this is something I'm interested in myself here, especially um, this past year, because it's been a long time since I, you know, did any type of uh, graffiti and it felt good. I mean, it felt natural. It was uh, it brought me back to my teenage years, uh-huh. you know. So I just put on some headphones for about two hours and just freehanded, just went at it for a little bit. And it was it was, it was a release, and you drive by and it's there every day, you know. It's, it's, it's just open. And tell us again where it is. Uh, Six in Buchanan. 
great idea. And I've gotten to know a couple of people, Dave Lonstein and, and Nicholas Ward and um, some people who are involved with creating community murals um, different than what you're talking about. But um, that that notion of healing and, and again, building connection, communication, openness, acceptance, belonging that happens when people are able to express themselves that way is so wonderful. It's a gift to the communities. And uh, for some people, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a turnoff if they have to travel through certain channels. They, they feel like they lose some of that, that freedom, uh-huh. you know? So um, there has to be a way for them to um, access, you know, those, those walls, yeah. you know, without having to, uh, you know, be part of a, a larger group who's going to control the idea uh-huh. and the process. Uh-huh. Um, that's not that's not freeing uh-huh. for a lot of the youth now. Uh-huh. You know, they they want control of their work. Uh-huh. At an earlier age, you know, for me, when I was young, I was just happy to be a part of something. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, but I feel the the, the sense of independence that uh, that we have now, or that you know, the younger kids are having, is strong, and I, I appreciate it a lot. You know, uh-huh. some people see it as entitlement but i just uh, i see it just a, a complete absorption of their freedom uh-huh. you know their own identity their own space their own view on, on the world and how it should act towards them and how they should react towards the world and no one's going to tell them otherwise um as long as it's you know within legal realms i'm, I'm okay with that uh-huh. so that, that's a that's an important reminder is that the gift for the youth might be for somebody to establish the place like happened at Six and Buchanan and say, it's yours to do as you wish. You don't have to go, because in Lawrence, you have to go, you have to have city approvals to do a mural. And there's all this stuff that has to happen. That's not just the property owner, but it's, you know, it's considered sort of a spinoff from the sign ordinances mm-hmm. about what, how things can be legit and otherwise you get fined and it's, <laughs> Anyway, so art art is is a great thing, an important thing, and expression. I mean, because I think that's part of what you're saying about the youth that you encountered, both the youth that came to Speakeasy to share their poetry, and the youth involved with adding to that graffiti area at Six and Buchanan at Topeka. That they need the freedom to express themselves. Yes, with, without uh, restraint. Uh huh. That's the important part. Yeah, I think just to to allow them to create freely. Uh, because if that is your only escape, that is your only release. Um, you don't, you don't want to be on a leash. Yeah. So. Yeah. And when we give people that safe space to do what they need, they're less likely to have to do as much of stuff that maybe is more damaging to themselves. That's one of those things about. I, I love when I hear about projects where poets, for example, are bringing poetry to youth in detention to adults in in you know prison jail situations to to people you know young people who are having some troubles here in Lawrence we have this project called Van Gogh which is a, an art program for for youth and one of the cool things about it amongst others is that the kids get paid to create art projects and that they That's learn wonderful. job skills art skills they learn communication, getting along skills. They kind of become a family with the set of youth that they go through this program with for a period of time. And some, you know, get their their programs for different ages of kids. But it's it 
started with a, a target um, audience of kids. They're having problems at home and staying in school and stuff like that. Like, let's give them a safe place and safe expression and some guidance. And yeah, they're going to get paid for the work they produce. And yeah, they're going to learn job skills that go beyond creating art, you know, because they're they're getting along. They're learning to, to cooperate. They're learning to take some guidance and also to speak, you know, with their own voices. And it's like, there are lots of ways that, that we can work together, create beauty and, and nurture people in healthy ways. Full stop, full stop. Creation versus destruction. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you've seen both sides. Yeah. So you've launched into a very creative time as an adult. I don't know at what point it was more creation than destruction. <laughs> <laughs> Probably uh, um, yesterday. Just yeah. <laughs> this morning? No. Uh, no, it was uh, 2009. Uh-huh. 2009, I decided to turn the page on, on, on the past and uh-huh. no longer focus on that. Look towards a um, prettier future, I guess. That's something a little more acceptable for me uh-huh. on a lot of levels, emotionally, spiritually, even intellectually sometimes. Um, I, I struggle with, with understanding uh, people's moral choices and situations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's things I, I, I think about ruminate about things like that all the time. It's probably not healthy, but it's it's my nature huh. to think things deeply and try to find something linear. But I mean there there isn't. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of it. There isn't. It's uh everyone makes different choices. There's a great deal of chaos um that surrounds us. And I think that's that's when I decided to go towards art because I can control this this area, this you know, this this page, you know, uh-huh. or I can control this canvas or this wall, uh-huh. you know, or this this part of a song or performance. That in that moment, I am no longer uh, embedded in the chaos around me. I've I found a, a moment of order, and it's peaceful. That so part of it is is personal. It's peaceful for you. Yeah. Yes. Do you perform frequently? Are you at open mics and other events so people have a chance to hear you? I, I don't, and um, you know, I spend a great deal of time, uh, as I said earlier, just just writing, just uh-huh. uh, with the craft. Uh, I need to get out more. I need to uh, talk with other artists more, other poets, uh, make connections, because I've I've just been just trying to get better. It's it's been my only. It's been my endeavor this whole time to just get better, to to be more precise, uh-huh. uh, more clear, um, maybe more captivating with the work, and that that takes time with yourself and with the work. Uh-huh. And it, most of the work that I do is solitary. Uh-huh. Other than the, the the theater is probably the first time in in years that I've been socializing uh-huh. uh, more so than, than before because. All I've wanted to do was uh, read and write and draw and paint, and, and I could live a very quiet, safe, you uh-huh. know, life in that. But um, uh, isolation can be quite uh, daunting, uh-huh. you know, for someone who's trying to be creative and, and, and express and connect with the world. If you're not out there connecting, uh-huh. then you kind of lose the tact for it sometimes. I, I feel like I've, I've fallen victim to that a couple times in my life. Too worried about 
the art and the craft and, and not the people that it might affect uh-huh. or the audience. And um, spending more time with people has made it uh, a little easier to, um, you know, not necessarily think how would they take this, but um, how can I reach them? Mm-hmm. So obviously you're you're very thoughtful, you're very reflective, you're very conscientious about what you put out in the world personally as well as in your writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't met anybody who hasn't just like fallen in love with this person who you are. You know what I mean? It's like it's interesting to hear you talk because you you have a, a gentleness and a compassion then and an interest in people that just shines through. And you know, you're you're one of those poets who people, you know, just everybody who I've known who's ever met you and seen you is like, ah, oh, yes, Mascar, yes, Thank yes, you. yes, yes. <laughs> I, I wanna I always want to be sincere and kind and authentic uh-huh. at all times with people. Uh-huh. Um, if I ever feel that I'm not, um, I'm real quick to attempt to uh, amend that situation, uh-huh. correct myself for the moment, uh-huh. uh, which can be off-putting at times. But um, I think the uh, the idea that I'm, I'm trying to do right at all times, or, you know, within my means, is uh, is, is a good way to uh, to make connections. And if people want to find your work, obviously the this book coming out, How to Hang the Moon from the Pop Poetry Series from Spark Press. Um, how do people find that? Um, the Prospero Books uh, webpage. Uh, if you go okay. to their Facebook site, um, there's contact information there. The book will be available for sale at the reading. Um, at this point, that is the only way. Um, so I insist on people getting out there, but I will have a, a large number of books myself that I will be um, selling uh-huh. um, as I will begin to start sharing my work and attending readings and maybe having readings of my own mm-hmm. in other locations, other coffee shops that I've read or mm-hmm. uh, venues. Um, so my work will be readily available in person. Mm-hmm. How, how would people find you then? Uh, Facebook page. Um, okay. I, I haven't yet um, separated um, my personal work from my artistic work. I I feel like they're one and the same. Um, yeah. But I've been I've I've had many conversations about the importance of having a separate artistic page and uh-huh. having that place where someone can directly go and access your work uh-huh. without having to filter through you know your social life. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't have much of a social life. So <laughs> no not, problem. Yeah, I'm not sitting through a lot, trust me. It's fine. <laughs> so, so and, and coming right up in terms of when we're producing this show, um, February 25th, uh, Prospero's is the book release and reading. And then April 21st through 23rd is the Kansas City Poetry Throwdown. And obviously you'll, you'll be there and have books there. Of course. And so you're saying that people can find you on Facebook. Yes. Spell your name for them so they know how to find you on Facebook. <laughs> Waskar is H-U-A-S-C-A-R. And uh, Medina is M-E-D-I-N-A. There you go. It's really easy. You just, just pay attention. Look at the Talk With Me page. I'll have the links um, for the event for the throwdown and of course for your page since you're saying, hey, why am I there? It's good. 
because it's it's wonderful for people to have. I, I know that that's one of those things I do. It's like, oh, I want to know more about this person. Where can I find it? So I Google, and for some people, they've been published in various online journals, and some people, you know, it's pretty private at this point. And so it's like, hmm, okay, well, is there a way? And Facebook can become a way. Yeah. Would you like to share any other poem before we? I, I don't mind. Do we have time? I'll we share do. one more. We do. I'm reading a lot of Pablo Neruda lately, and I just, I don't know if it's because it's Valentine's, but that's just where I'm at. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. So um, this one's called Spanish Knotted Feather Stitching. Only Neruda can save us. I've written him a plea for guidance, addressed it to the waning crystal moon on that red branch of the now gone autumn in his window. It's cinched with thread to a paloma, whom refused to wear the satchel my Abuelita knitted through manos anudado before her passing. El Paloma argued for practicality, balance, and against my need for sentimentality. The added weight of things makes flight onerous, he'd say. How I wish this bird was more passenger pigeon, less dove, willing to fight through wind and rain to get there, okay with war and loss. I even taught him to fly in cursive in case he didn't make it before he's shot down, so others may see the phrases passing by. But very few people see the need for soft round words, free and flowing in the air. His grace appeared indecisive, almost lost from below. How they've pitied him, poor Paloma. I beg of you, please, take this note to his shores, sing towards the sill in his view, be candid, have manners, Wipe the sand from your feet before entering. Bathe in his cafe. Perch yourself upon his finger piece. I just have to know, can a song of despair come before a love poem? Beautiful. Thank you so much. And just thank you for joining me today. I, I love being able to share your poetry and you through the conversation with our listeners. Thank you for having me. And again, folks, February 25th at Prospero's, and April 21st through 23rd at Prospero's again for the Throwdown. Chances to meet Oscar in person, hear him read more of his poetry, buy the book, and then be able to savor those words wherever you are. Thank you so much for joining us, and so on.